0: Well. Um and thank you. I know you're very busy so um this is really, really appreciated. So um I've got all my little questions and notes here, so we'll crack on so that um I'm not keeping on your day. So um, um yeah I'm also Um, This is not menopausal sweat. (laughs) I don't think so. It's just, I've got one of this cold that's going around, so I feel like I'm on the verge of a sneeze every... (laughs) So I've had a few questions. A lot of the people that I teach now, because I've been teaching for quite some time, um... Obviously, I feel like people, you kind of attract the same kind of age range that, you know, that you are. And um, so obviously I used to teach people in my 20s and I'm not in my 20s anymore. Um, And a lot of the women that I teach are either perimenopausal, um, menopausal, postmenopausal. So I think just to bring it back to the very basics of that, because I think there's still a lot of confusion with actually, what is menopause? So, you know, where does it start? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So menopause, if you look at the definition, it's a funny definition because it's a retrospective diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So it's one year after your last menstrual period. Mm -hmm. So that's not a bleed that you've had on any hormone treatment or anything. It's your last menstrual period. And it's almost like a moment in time. Mm -hmm. It's like suddenly you're in the menopause one year after your last period. So it's, it's, it's a strange diagnosis. And the other misconception is that you go into the menopause and you come out of it, but you don't. You just go into it and you stay there because menopause means your ovaries aren't producing uh, estrogen anymore Mm -hmm. and you are never going to start producing that estrogen again. So it's you go into the menopause and you and you stay there. So not it's not a matter of post-menopause, effect. it is just all the same. Menopause, post-menopause it is just yeah. the same thing, isn't yeah. it? It's it, really. But and the post makes it feel like you've come out of it somehow, but actually you, you don't, you're just in, you're in that oestrogen deficient state mm. for the rest of your life and mm. that, That time can be now, because luckily as women, we're living in way into our 80s on average, it can be a half to a third of our lives. So it's a lot of time to be living and trying to function well in an estrogen deficient state. That's it.
0: And Mm -hmm. I think that's a misconception of a lot of the women that I teach. Have said to me, "Oh, it doesn't apply to me now because I've gone through it." And I've tried to explain in the best way that I can that know that if you if you've if it's happened, if that menopausal stage has happened, that's just carrying on. So all the symptoms that you had on that run up, you can still continue to have them
1: and have treatment for them. Yes, absolutely, yes. And the other important thing about the menopause, which I always think of, I know it's got a sort of a bad rep and it feels like it's all doom and gloom, but also you can sort of think of it as an opportunity. Yes. Because it's the time when these symptoms might start to occur, which aren't very pleasant, but it's also like an alarm bell for us women to say, our health risks also start to increase at that mid, at that time, which is often in midlife. Mm-hmm. So our, our risk of heart disease starts to climb, our bones start to thin, and it's also a time that we potentially build up some on our brains which can then lead to dementia and Alzheimer's yeah. our risk of type 2 diabetes and osteoarthritis type and all these things start to climb in our midlife so yeah. almost as although the symptoms are not good obviously it's almost like a little alarm bell to ask women to say look things are changing and you can but you can do something about it if you do something about it when you start noticing the change or when it starts to happen you can actually do things to prevent those long-term health problems that can arise mm-hmm. so it's actually a little bit of a, a, a sort of an opportunity and not just all doom and gloom I try to sort of reframe yeah. it a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and, and those symptoms
0: are vast aren't they so you've yeah. uh, the, the kind of that I think what everybody associates menopause think kind of hot flushes and you know some women think that that is it and they don't realize that the other things that they're that's happening to them is actually related to their menopausal symptoms uh, again a lot of women that I know um anxiety I think is possibly the biggest one um that I've spoken to people especially with what I do as well um mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I know personally, I've, I feel just irrational anxiety, <laughs> especially when you're trying to get to sleep at night, which I guess is a, is a time for everyone to, to feel a bit anxious about things. But, um, but yeah, that's definitely, was a symptom for me, but um, so anxiety, um, a little bit of mood swings, um, obviously the hot flushes. Um, I personally had a lot of breast tenderness, um, um, very hormonal. But um, when you don't actually get a much of a let up in your hormonal cycle, when you're thinking it's the build up to your periods and, and the ovulation where I was getting those breast pain. Um, it's quite concerning.
1: Um, But so many other things as well, isn't there? I don't know. So many things, because as women, Eastern is like our master regulator. It's one of our main sources of energy, really, from the tops of our heads to the tips of our toes. So in terms of the physical symptoms, we all, well, most of us know about the hot sweats Mm -hmm. and night and, and flushes. But then there's the joint pains and muscle aches, which can be very problematic migraines can start to become more into the picture there's dry mouth dry eyes itchy skin um, there's a uh, formication which is the feeling of almost like um insects crawling, crawling under your skin which is a really horrible one some people get tinnitus so to mention that yeah so I got a crazy. I know, I know. It, it just yeah. sounds nuts. But I think it's because our bodies are so sensitive and receptive to estrogen that when the estrogen drops down, us, all of our cells start to struggle. Mm. So the, there's a physical symptom. and then you rightfully pointed out the psychological and mental health symptoms which are like you say often are the first things to come into the picture in the perimenopause because mm. so the anxiety can creep in insidiously and it's sort of for some women it's that background feeling of just being ill at ease and everyday feeling there's something to be worried about but actually there isn't anything to worry about and it can extend to a point where some women get worried about driving or doing certain tasks that previously they never really thought about and suddenly they're starting to get anxious about it and it can then lead on to full-blown panic and panic attacks and it's often the first thing that people notice in the perimenopause when the cycles start to change slightly but because it's perimenopause and because it is variable because in the perimenopause our issue goes up and down the symptoms thus do go also up and down so t- try to to pinpoint it to it being hormonal because often a woman will think well I've probably felt anxious that day because of this or that or this but actually and they won't necessarily realize it's the hormones because maybe the next week they don't feel so bad so it's quite difficult to join the dots up
0: I have one one client that um she well she's a friend as well but she talks about her the rage <laughs> she suffers yeah. from rage and she just feels and she's very young as well actually so she's very much in that perimenopausal but again it can start from a very young age can't it really and yeah. she has, she's just saying that she just has this irrational rage that she can't you know she she can't rationalize and it is I think it is very much down to the same as you would with PMT, I guess. It's still yeah. a hormonal, yeah. It's
1: definitely hormonal, definitely. And that, that rage is really awful because you can't help it. <laughs> you know, th- this sort of red mist suddenly drops in front of your eyes. And before you know it, you go from a relatively calm place to just going completely through the ceiling. Yeah. And then and the anxiety th- kicks th- in and you end up yeah. <laughs> crying your eyes out. Yes, and yes, yeah. the guilt. You know, there's the yeah. guilt. And, and you feel terrible about who you've, who you've who's re- received that rage that you've you know that you've yeah, just exactly. you just feel them bad about yourself mm-hmm. and then you're not losing a sense of yourself because you think hang on who is this person who who says these things and does these things I never used to do this yeah. but yeah it's all part of the psychological symptoms which um are, are very important to be aware of in the perimenopause and menopause um because our, our brains are so receptive as I said before about but from estrogen so the rage is part of that and Mood swings and low mood, um, and some women even get to the point where they feel suicidal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's it's a dreadful. It often
0: gets misdiagnosed, doesn't it, as depression and anxiety, yeah. and and rather and go down the kind of route of antidepressants, which. You know, I'm not saying they're a bad thing at all, which will suit some people, but sometimes
1: that's not what they need, is it? It's actually,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, what's going on hormonally? I think if it's a new thing for a woman and it's something that they've not experienced before and it's this, they get into this midlife stage and they're getting anxiety and low mood. And you know, often, actually, if you ask women, they often sort of will say, this doesn't, I don't think I'm depressed. Yeah. They kind of know. And even if they've had depression, anxiety in the past... They will know it feels a bit different, yeah. and they know it's not that they need to up their antidepressants. It's that they actually need something different. Women can be if if, they, if we listen to ourselves and our bodies, we can be quite intuitive, and I think it's so important to listen to that because it's um it is the key really to to recognising what's going on. Hmm. And I think uh,
0: that um, especially recently, say so within the last, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm going, i mean, in that perimenopause, so, so I've been doing more research, obviously teaching more people, been doing a lot more research. But there seems to be a lot more out there, especially recently, obviously with the whole prescription um, that got passed uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. but on social media. And I know that one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doing this is because not everybody that I, that kind of I teach or on social media or they don't follow those particular accounts but there's some great info that's one thing that actually social media is really good for I find at the moment there are some absolute great accounts that have great information and make you feel like oh <laughs> yeah that's me kind of when you know, people like I know Lisa Snowden does the um equals care um chats on on lives and um Davina McCall obviously has done the the television program so it's great that it's getting talked about more and more but I still feel like um there's lots that is missing a whole group of women that um they don't know about that there is actually help that out there if um if they want it Um, yesterday I was teaching and it's not always very often someone will come over to me and say I'm having a uh, you know I'm going through the menopause I'm pre, uh, perimenopausal, but she did say that she's just having the most bizarre hot flushes, and I suggested HRT. And like, I said, have you have you thought about that? Have you looked into that? She's just no, she hadn't. It's not something that had um, that she'd given any thought to whatsoever. And you know, I think it's something that still frightens a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so with all those symptoms, the real something although well, there are lots of different things that you can do but
1: HRT yeah. is obviously one route that route you really consider the vast majority of women for them the benefits will outweigh any risks with HRT so it's definitely something to explore and discuss with um, your healthcare provider and because if the underlying cause is the low estrogen mm-hmm. replacing that is going to be the, the treatment you know that's going to be that's going to that's going to get the outcome that you want but it's really important, as I say, midlife, also to consider your lifestyle. Yes. That is really very important as well, because really you can sit on the sofa, drink, have cigarettes and drink lots of wine, build your HRT, but you're not going to feel that much better, really, and you're not going to have a healthier long life by just doing that. You've got to add in the lifestyle, which is your exercise. I mean, if you prescribe exercise you know, the long-term health outcomes and and the mental health and physical health benefits are just so huge. You know, we know this from studies from years and years and years, good nutrition, um, low stress, good sleep, (laughs) not drinking too much alcohol, um, and and these sort of lifestyle things which can make a massive difference.
0: I I guess it's a vicious uh, cycle in a way because a lot of women, you know, me included, get a bit stressed, have a glass of wine, then we don't sleep. And then the anxiety starts and then it all just keeps, you know, going round and round. Um, so, yeah, it's It's a, It's looking at it as a whole, isn't it? It's definitely, um,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So for me, I was um, first of all, I was prescribed uh, Easter gel. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm still on the Easter gel. So um, I, I decided to go down the HRT route just to see, you um, the brain fog for me was also a big thing so it's breast tenderness brain fog hot sweats which i'm still getting a bit of um so i was having the gel and the progesterone tablets of an evening i was rubbish at taking those because i know you only take them for 12 days so we've switched to the coil so i'm about 2 yeah. months into into that so i think it's all it's still a bit up and down whilst all of that settles at the moment um so there's oestrogen, so there's, there's different forms of that, isn't there? So I, as I say, take the, the, the gel, but there's patches.
1: Yeah, so I mean, there's tablets and yes. there's patches, gel and spray. Mm-hmm. And really the gold standard is any is estrogen that you have through the skin because if you look at the molecular structure of those estrogens they have they're called body identical so they are have the same structure as the estrogen that you naturally produce from your own ovaries when they were working efficiently so then you're just matching up and replacing like for like yeah. so it's the most natural type it's derived plant-based from the root vegetable yams which is incredible really to think that i hope we never run out of yams it mean, you know.
0: used to be very different for was it something to do with horses
1: <laughs> years ago yeah Premarin was from Pregnant Horses Mare's Ewing yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice yeah it's <That's laughs> not that anymore we'll <laughs> <laughs> get the Premarin you can still get a nice you know there are still women on that who've been who were started on it maybe a little while ago but it is overall considered a bit more old-fashioned And having the um, estrogen through the skin means you have no risk of increased risk of clots, which actually if you have tablet form estrogen, it does increase your risk of clots uh, potentially. So that's the main advantage of it. And it goes directly into your bloodstream, so it's not metabolized by the liver. And it's the metabolism of the liver, if you take it orally, which makes the clotting increase, your risk of clotting increase. So there's the gel like you've, you're having, and there's a, a spray called Lenzetto spray, yeah. um, which you use every day. So the gel and the spray you use on a daily basis.
0: And they're, they're essentially the
1: same. It's just a different yeah. different way to take, yeah. Yeah, so the, yeah different way to take it. Um, and it just suits some women more than others everybody absorbs the estrogen through the skin slightly differently and it's a little bit unpredictable but it's to do with age skin type metabolism and some things we don't really understand Um, some people absorb better from one formulation than another Um, you can't it's it's unpredictable to be honest and sometimes we just go with one thing and and, and see what happens Um, but then there's the patches as well the patches are a bit different you change those twice a week so that each, pass, each patch lasts about three to four days, and you just change them. So you know it, it really is. Some women will say to me, you know, oh, I don't like the idea of having a patch. I, you know, I get x or whatever. And we'll say, fine, we'll try something else. And you know, initially, I just go with whatever that woman feels is right for them and, and what they believe is 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 the best for them and what works for their lifestyle. Really, personal preference, as I say, like that. Taking yeah. the because because you can have
0: you. You, can't, you can you can be on the coil, can't you? Um, but you can't have oestrogen without progesterone, is that right? You have to have some form of progesterone if you're on an oestrogen
1: or any of the oestrogen... Um... Replacement? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you only need a progesterone if you have a womb. Right, oh, okay, yes, yeah. But if You've had a hysterectomy, which takes out your womb and your cervix, then you don't need progesterone because the role of progesterone when, with, in HRT is to ensure the lining of the womb doesn't get too thick. Mm-hmm. Because if, if we, what the studies have shown is that if a woman has a womb and they have estrogen alone without the progesterone, there is a risk of the lining of the womb getting thicker and thicker and thicker. And over a period of years, some of those cells can change into atypical cells and then potentially can go on to cancer. Right. So, but we know from the studies to avoid that we add in the progesterone to make sure that overgrowth doesn't occur so the progesterone that you said you had originally is again the body identical natural progesterone also derived from yams funnily right. enough yeah. um, and that is again placing your hormones like for like but the myrina coil also is a brilliant way of protecting the womb lining, because it works very locally, has minimal absorption into your main bloodstream. And then you can forget about it because it will work as part of your HRT regime for for up to five years. So if it worked
0: for me, it was just work. It was just because I am just hopeless at remembering to take yeah. tablets. So it just worked with me better. But I know that the tablets also have a slight sedative effect, don't they? So
1: Yeah, I mean, for some women, not
0: football. Yeah, I didn't find too, it was too much, yeah. but it could have a... Uh, I'll help with this, well, help with sleep a
1: little something yeah. is really helpful with sleep yeah. and which is why we always say have it at night time because you don't want to be sleepy in the yeah. day it does make you feel sedated mm-hmm. and have it on an empty stomach we always say because if you've got food in your stomach if anything it works a little bit more strongly but it can help with sleep but not for everybody um, so you know, it's rare, it's unusual to have a woman on progesterone just to help with sleep if they haven't got a womb. It is is that body identical um, progesterone. Again, it is sort of the gold standard one, but sometimes we need to move beyond that one because some people get bleeding on that particular type of um, progesterone. And we do need, there are lots of other options as well. And the coil is a fantastic option.
0: So it's just finding what works for you, your lifestyle. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it has to be tailored for that individual person. And nobody's symptoms or life or beliefs or lifestyles the same. But there's always going to be an option for anybody working towards all those, all those issues. So it's
0: yeah. just finding the balance to re- readdress the the, the the balance, I guess, with, with all okay. of those. And yeah. then obviously there's testosterone. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that we produced um, as much testosterone naturally as what we do. I mean, it is the misconception that it is a more of a male hormone. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, which I'm having um, going for bloods not till January because I do still feel that with all of what I'm having still needs to be tweaked a little bit maybe and that um, just to check because my energy levels haven't come quite back up um, mm-hmm. with the oestrogen so we're going to just do a few bloods for testosterone. So testosterone um, is not licensed, is it on on the NHS as yet? No. Um, which
1: <laughs> is- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a tricky one, testosterone. And you're like, you're right, you know, you're in the majority. Most people don't realize that women actually produce any testosterone at all. But before the menopause, we produce three times more testosterone than we do actually estrogen, which is a crazy thing to to think of, but it's true. And then as we enter the sort of in our 40s, it uh, does start to drop down. If we have a surgical menopause where our ovaries are removed, our testosterone is then cut you know, reduced down very dramatically, but we produce roughly 50% of our testosterone from our ovaries, but we do get 50% roughly from our adrenal glands, which are the glands that sit just above our kidneys. So it's a really important hormone. It's always linked with libido and it is important for libido and low libido is a big problem for many of the ladies I see in my clinic um, but it isn't just libido it also helps with cognitive functioning so that brain fog multitasking memory um, it also helps with uh, muscle mass um, stamina drive f- feelings of joy um, does seem to possibly have some benefit in terms of bone health as well yeah. so I mean, overall, the, if you look at the general guidance, it says it's for libido. But we do know in the specialist menopause world, we know women benefit in other ways from it as, as well. Oh. But you're right, it isn't licensed at the moment in the UK for women. We only have a, fem- a male form licensed in the UK. So men men can get their testosterone, but we can't get testosterone. <laughs> 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 it's incredibly unfair. Yeah. Um, so it is tricky to get hold of it. Mm -hmm. Um, We do have, uh, we can import something called Androfem, which is a form of testosterone cream, which is licensed in Australia. So that's a good step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And our our regulatory bodies allow us to import it and prescribe it in the UK to women, Mm -hmm. um, but it's only available in the private sector currently. I know there is work being done to try and get it onto the NHS formularies so that it can be prescribed in the NHS but we're not there yet. I think we're some years away from that unfortunately. Oh, okay.
0: And is it a case of the more more women talk to their doctors about it the more likelihood
1: it's going to push it forwards. Um, I think it's going to help. But I th- I know that, that there's um specialists are actually working at Dovecle with the government, et cetera, um, trying to get this pushed through. But things don't happen that that quickly, as we all know. In in the meantime, as I say, there is the Android privately. It is a cost, you know, it costs about 80 pence a day. Right. Um, but it's it is a, a nice, easy formulation for women to use. But amazing. there is also the male form that we us as women we can use the male form. It is effectively the same thing. Um, we just need a much lower dose. So the male forms that we have available in on the NHS and in the UK are very strong for women. It's a very potent dose for women so we have to give a a, we need a lot less about a tenth of that actually so we need to take a tiny little amount of the male formulation which is doable it's just a little bit more fiddly a little bit more tricky to get an accurate dosing mm-hmm. but not impossible yes. so it can
0: option. yeah it's not an option. An
1: option. yeah good. and testosterone it's not so it's not safe for women we've got data to show that it's safe to use and it is effective in fact there was a patch that was available for women a few several years back the only reason it stopped being made was because people weren't prescribing it because of the lack of awareness within the medical world that actually it was something that women would benefit from so it was purely commercial reasons not safety reasons that it went off the um off the formulary um, and there used to be even a, a testosterone um it was a what do you call it a implant that women had after hysterectomy and after they have their ovaries removed but again they stopped using that because it seemed to it, it was almost a bit too strong but so testosterone in women, it, its uh, I'm hoping the awareness is going to increase because it is is—it is so important. Not everybody needs it, right. but for some women, it is an absolute game changer. It is important, like you said before, Julia, to get your estrogen levels ideally right mm-hmm. um, first, because sometimes the estrogen will deal with things like libido um, and, and all the other brain and, and, and muscle strength, that sort of thing as well. But for some women, they do need to then move on to testosterone and can make a huge a huge difference and a really life-changing difference. Right
0: and it's 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 really good that all of these things can be tweaked along the way like with the estrogen especially with the the pump i find that very easy to manage where you know you you know start on one you know two pumps and then you know see how you go with that and then you know you can change it around so it's it's it, for me it's been it's been brilliant um, as i say i still need to tweak it a bit more um but it's an ongoing it'll be ongoing <laughs> for for a while
1: well, so that's that's normal, you know, to have that yeah. tweaking. It's yeah. it's not so often that we get it right straight off on the initial yeah and no one fits all at all i can say it's not one tablet fits every everyone no and also in the perimenopause because we've always because you'll be having some sort of menstrual cycle and some sort of hormones will be produced in in the perimenopause it's always going to be a slightly changing environment because you know your hormone requirement is going to change going forward so no matter what hormone regime you get settled on i'd always suggest an annual annual review at least to make sure there's no new tweaks that need to be occurring because as we get older it will change our requirement will change so it's I well- you're
0: constantly fighting it against that decline all the time and if yeah. it just keeps declining you have to just keep taking different measures to bring it up. yeah that's it and um obviously a lot of women on hrt um they associate hrt immediately with risks and breast cancer which i know is more the kind of the, the risks of yesteryear, but there is still um, a lot of um, misinformation
1: out there, isn't there, about the, the risks of breast cancer? There is. There is a lot of it. I and mean, we do emphasize a lot about breast cancer, don't we? And an HRT. Yeah. And the difficulty is, I think it feels like it's become the very um, uh, magnified issue. And we forget to think about all the other health benefits uh, and weighing it all up. So breast cancer and HRT, we know that estrogen is not a carcinogenic. We know that estrogen can't change a normal cell into a cancer cell. So it isn't a carcinogenic. And it is a complex picture. We still, in truth, probably don't really understand everything about breast cancer. And there's nothing to to prove that HRT causes or leads to an increased risk of breast cancer or doesn't. The very fact that it's still a question mark out there Mm -hmm. in itself shows that probably the link is, is not going to be very strong. Yeah. But And I think we always have to be aware that HRT reduced your risk of heart disease by up to 50%. Which is incredible. Which is incredible because actually heart disease is the biggest killer or the second biggest killer of women in this country. There's growing evidence, but not sort of absolutely certain, but there's growing evidence that seems to have some protection against brain disorders, dementia and Alzheimer's. And that is the biggest killer of women in this country. Right. Um, and then we, it is. Um, I mean, also protects against bone thinning and fractures. We know over the age of fifty, maybe even half women have some sort of bone thinning, and then a third will go on to have a hip fracture. Which then leads to hospitalization. After a hip fracture, actually, there's a high proportion of women that die within a year after hip a fra- hip fracture. So these are big things that HRT will protect against or, or reduce your risk against, I should say. Also, reduces your risk of type 2 diabetes, um, osteoarthritis. And there is a study that shows that it seems to have some protection against even bowel cancer. So, a lot of health protection, a lot of, um, obviously, HRT gives quality of life. So we, like you rightfully said before, Julia, you know, if you're feeling rotten, if you're feeling um, you aren't getting sleep and you're feeling low and um, all those other symptoms of the possible menopause and you end up drinking more or you end up not exercising because your joints hurt so much and it's so much of an effort or you end up eating less well and putting on weight because you're comfort eating or, you know, and you get into that cycle of bad bad you know not bad but not so healthy lifestyle but then you put women on HRT they feel better they start exercising because their joint pains go away their minds are working better so they start addressing and looking at their diet Mm -hmm. you know they start looking at their lifestyle and That, as I said to you before, the health benefits of exercise, not being obese, not drinking too much, not smoking, are humongous. So as a secondary benefit, HRT does that as well. Mm -hmm. So massive health benefits and quality of life benefits. In terms of breast cancer, if you look at the statistics and if you put all all the HRTs together, so if you include all the old fashioned old ones like the horses, mares, urine, tablet form HRT, and the, the modern HRT. If you bundle all in one group, what they will say is if you follow a thousand women over a year, and they are, some are on HRT and some aren't, and it's their age between 50 and 59, over that five years, so over five years, an extra four women will get, will develop breast cancer versus those that weren't on our HRT. so you're talking about less than one extra woman per year now don't get me wrong that one less than one extra woman per year is still is still significant you know but on the greater scheme of the other health benefits and etc then it it is relatively minor obviously not for that person Um, and also what we do know is that there's studies on the new modern body identical HRT, there are studies to show that that is much more breast friendly. And actually the risk for that is less at least for the first five years. And after that, it is so small. And what we do know is there's no increased risk of dying on breast with breast cancer if you're on HRT, no matter what HRT you're on, whether you're on the old one or the more modern one. But not all HRT is equal in terms of being breast-friendly. And we do know that the body identical, modern HRT, is, appears to be safer in terms of breast. If you don't have a womb and all you need is oestrogen, actually you have a reduced risk of breast cancer um so it seems to be the adding in of a synthetic type of progestogen Mm -hmm. but we still don't understand it completely we need more studies Mm -hmm. but needless to say it is a minor tiny risk Mm -hmm. weighing against Mm -hmm. all the pros, pros yeah so i think it's, it's come it's become out of context. That's that's the problem with it. I think that is um, the problem. I think it's always going to be
0: that question because it was such a it was so it seemed to be such a prevalent question years ago. It's always yeah. been on people's minds, and it is one thing that unfortunately stopping people from going down the route of HRT, which is a shame, really. Because well, it's a
1: shame. Such a shame. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, on a whole, you know, it, as you say it's a a woman can decide not to take HRT but sit on a sofa and smoke and drink um which is going to increase your risk of all the cancers really um so it's it's about just having a kind of rational looking into it I guess
1: it's balancing everything up and look at the bigger picture
0: sure sure um and another question which again I, I I'm guessing it's probably too big um and and feel free if it's if it's not kind of um one that you want to go too deep into but I have somebody that has dementia mm-hmm. um, and she's in her 60s she's a very vibrant lady in her 60s and, and obviously that kind of memory loss is it's is, is kind of kicking in now mm-hmm. um, obviously she's gone through the menopause or she's still in that kind of mm-hmm. menopausal stage in her 60s Can you take, and I I don't want to uh, advocate um, HRT is a cure for for dementia at all, but can you take HRT if you are suffering um, with dementia? Is
1: that something that you'd ever recommend? So with HRT and the health benefits that I just mentioned to you, the many health benefits, the key with it is the timing when you take it. Mm and we we, in our in the medical world we call it a window of opportunity yeah and the generally it that is on average before you're 60 Mm -hmm. or within 10 years of your menopause sure because the thing with estrogen and hrt replacement is it apart from with your bones actually it can treat and build up your bones very well um and apart from um, from that mostly it is a prevention rather than going to help it and a disease once it's established Mm. yeah so in terms of things like heart disease and and dementia once it's established Mm. it's not going to have any benefit right okay um, in terms of reducing your risk going forwards Hmm.
0: But with all those other um, aspects, as far as all the benefits, would that still be recommended? It would be not. It wouldn't be harmful for her to to go on HRT or.
1: So it's, it, we, do you know it's very difficult. We, we've, yeah. There are studies with HRT and, and dementia, and there is a, 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 there is some mixed. There's mixed data. There's yeah. Vi- yeah. None of the, none of the studies actually out there are really brilliant. Mm. And there's some which will say that if you take HRT um, later in life, there is a possibly increased risk of dementia. Okay, right, again. And others that will say that's not true. This study found something different.
0: It's a lot that I read that's very much a preventative of, of yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's that. So once it's because what we know with dementia and Alzheimer's, it's it's something it's plaque deposition on the brain cells. Mm-hmm. And it's a buildup of these plaques. Mm-hmm. And it's what the science is showing is that actually it seems to start. And I don't want to scare anybody, but the build-up of the pla- plaques seems to start 20 years up to right. before the symptoms actually start to arise. Yeah. So if estrogen is going to have any sort of prevention, it needs to be starting earlier. Rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, you know, yeah. there might be, you know, in each for, for somebody like the lady with dementia, it depends really on what her personal aims and goals are in terms of HRT and what else, you know, it's not, you know, it would be, be very much an individual discussion with yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. What I would say is if you've got dementia, it depends on how well you can weigh up the information mm-hmm. because yeah. the with dementia is that it might affect your ability to weigh up that information and therefore being able to make an informed decision on something which is quite complex
0: Mm -hmm. might
1: prove to be a bit challenging but i would say you know i'd never say to anybody you are not allowed to have hrt you cannot have it's always a personal decision and it's a joint decision between your healthcare professional and you as an individual and, and and it's about weighing up the pros and cons for you personally. It's not just the pros and cons of having the HRT, but it, it's also the health benefits you might not get if you don't have HRT. So, and it's we all have a very personal idea of risk, don't we? Yeah. You know, some of us will do bungee jumping and some of us won't. <laughs> and, and that's... <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't do <laughs> it. <laughs> In terms of, you know, our, our sense of risk... Sure. You know, and if my, you know, if your mum had a terrible hip fracture and had osteoporosis, for you, your main thing might be actually, I'm going to prevent osteoporosis. Yeah. So anybody's perspective is very personal. And I'd always say an individual discussion with somebody who can tell you the pros and cons and the studies which we have and the evidence we have it is the best way forwards. Oh.
0: So if you... Um, uh, opposed to HRT or you're too scared of HRT obviously I did the chat with um Emma Ellis Flint so mm-hmm. talking about nutrition which she's very much a, a, of using it alongside HRT and um, which is great but there are those that don't want to take HRT for, or for whatever reasons they've been advised not to mm-hmm. um are there any natural remedies and I'm always a bit cautious about this especially in my yoga world there's a lot of um nonsense <laughs> along with it um and but i do know that there are some variations of uh natural remedies like st john's wort and things like that for um brain function um would you ever recommend anything natural um well i know the plant i know the oestrogen is actually plant-based so essentially it is a natural
1: remedy but um it's it's just you're replacing your own hormone yeah i understand what you're saying i think over the the counter counter, counter. yeah kind of counter type stuff so if you can't, if you don't want to take HRT, there is, and if you've got hot flushes, mm. there are other prescribable medications that you can try to see if it will help your hot flushes. You know, they're not as good as HRT, but some women really find them beneficial. So you can still go to a doctor I'm getting hot flushes. So in terms of the natural remedies, it really depends on what symptoms you're trying to address. Okay, There are some things like black cohosh and um, uh, femel, which is a pollen type based derivative that can help with the hot flashes. The evidence isn't brilliant to have to confess for any of the natural ones. If you look at the studies, they don't really perform much better than a placebo, generally on the whole. Yeah. Um, St. John's Wort has been shown to help with mood as well. But unfortunately, the difficulty with St. John's Wort is it tends to have an interaction with lots of other medication, yeah. Yeah. which can be problematic. Um, so again, you just have to be careful on what, other, what else the other person is taking. Um, so in terms of the herbal remedies, there isn't much which actually shows it does an awful lot, Again, there's
0: a lot of information out there i, I yeah. find that can be very confusing and also not knowing the dosages and also some of some of these over-the-counter um kind of vitamins or supplements aren't regulated at all so you don't even know yeah. if there's anything yeah. in there <laughs> and yeah. what they're saying on the bottle so um you've got to be really careful haven't you just yeah. really I mean, if it works as a placebo Perhaps.
1: I, I agree, Julie. If it works, and it works, and it's not costing you too much money, yeah. then oh, I'm all for it. If it's not doing you any harm, and it works, and it's not costing you too much money, then actually go for it. If that suits you, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but it's just the evidence behind them isn't fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there is good evidence for CBT. Okay. Actually, yeah. And a little bit of evidence for things like um, acupuncture. Yes. And I would always emphasise the, the health side of things. So the exercise, the movement, the relaxation and your nutrition, like um, Emma said, um, you know, all those things are so important. Um, things, things like even keeping connected with um, your friends and, and, and a good social life. All these things add to your quality of life and your ability to cope and manage the symptoms. I'm
0: just talking about it with other people that are <laughs> going through it and not, you know, being, you know, I don't know, ashamed of it. It's just yeah. we're all going through, it. and I, and I guess, um, like I was saying yesterday in my class that um, we didn't we didn't ever used to get to that age of of menopause. That's why there wasn't any of the the research many many moons ago because we didn't make it to that age. But as you said, we're all we're all living well, touch wood, <laughs> we're all living um a lot longer. So that's why you've got to kind of look into having quality of life for possibly half your life or or even more absolutely i think 100
1: years ago uh women were going for the menopause a bit later because they're the way they were having babies and things were different and then they they died not long after unfortunately we're living for longer as women and we fought very hard i think to get equality in the workplace and, and in other parts of our lives so now a lot of us are in high-powered jobs we're doing you know we're doing we're working well we're in, in big positions um professionally yeah. and actually rightfully we expect a good quality of life out of the workplace as well yeah. but then we, we try and do, do all these things and then suddenly we're flawed when our hormones start to drop off and it, and you just can't it's hard to battle against that without trying to address it more head-on and we would take
0: things for other illnesses or whatever to readdress any kind of deficiency or anything else like that so it makes sense just to yeah, yeah. so if you-
1: a low thyroid, if you've got a hypothyroid, I don't think anybody would say no, just thank you. With it, so. <laughs> just crack on and try and manage without. Yeah. And if, you know, if you have diabetes, yeah. I just don't think we, people would say I don't want to have my insulin. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, the injections hurt, and you know, they, they just—I just can't see that really being the case. So we just. You're like you might have said Judith, these these t- discussions chatting about things openly hopefully will help being women being more informed yeah. break the t- break the taboos yeah. break myths and yeah. then we can realize there is another way forwards yeah. um and it doesn't have to be hrt it doesn't you know there are other there are other options as well
0: changing lifestyle a few lifestyle changes can be really helpful for people yeah, yeah. And on that find like i have one <laughs> question with the alcohol <laughs> It does alcohol negate the or or cancel out any kind of um, hormone replacement. If you are having a couple of glasses of wine a night and having HRT, is that one thing is weighing is kind of canceling out the other?
1: You mean, in terms of symptoms or health wise, um,
0: in well both really um, is it because I know with the sleep it's going to well. Let's go with um, health wise. Is it going to stop your symptoms or stop HRT helping your symptoms if you're drinking a glass of wine
1: every night? Well, what we do know, I mean, in terms of the, the whole breast cancer thing again, if you're having a large glass of wine a night, which is, at Home, we know that's probably is about two units, yeah. You are increasing your, your breast cancer risk, definitely, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of the whole matching with the HRT, no, is the bottom line, no, you yeah. know, you're not cancelling out. We know that wine can, for some women, it can disrupt their sleep, it can make the heart flushes worse, yeah. Um, so it can have those impacts, but not for everybody, everybody's very different. Um, but no, you can, you can do both, and and you know, we can't all be saints, we have to enjoy life, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Just have a
0: night, you know, a little, yeah, little no, no, only no, really no. thing that you do in all these lifestyle changes and, you know, your HRT and it's all kind of going out the window with a glass of wine or, you know, whatever no. anybody's lifestyle choice is. But still, it's all about yeah. balance, isn't it?
1: It's all about balance, absolutely. And hence the end of the day, we've got to enjoy our lives. And we as individuals, I think it's all about us as individuals, understanding the information, understanding you know the evidence base and then we can make a decision ourselves how what we want to do with that information nobody should be telling you what you should be doing it's about you knowing what you you know the pros and cons and of everything and then you decide how you want to move forward but the bottom line is no it does not cancel out you know the the HRT in terms of symptoms and other benefits. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: as far as contacting you can people contact you directly through the clinic and um do you are you on do you have to come into clinic or it's all you can do online consultations.
1: No, we're all doing online consultations. Um, it just is easy to access because we access women from all over the UK, which is really lovely. Um, and it's just convenient, it's very convenient for, for patients. They don't have to get in the car and you know, and, and travel. And at the moment, there's still a lot of COVID issues around. So it's just convenient and and easy. So we yeah, we, it's all video consultations. I think Naomi's seeing a few people face to face now. So I I work with Dr. Naomi Potter, um, and our website is. Is uh, menopausecare.co.uk, and there's 12 of us specialist doctors now. So we work in the specialist group, and we see women online, and women book in with us with on our via our website. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just it's, it's fabulous. It's been wonderful um, being able to do it this way and and getting the access to so many different women from all over the country. Was it
0: online before COVID, or is it all yeah. happened? It's all
1: all COVID. Yeah. Which is
0: <laughs> there's not many benefits of it, but this is is one, isn't it, that you can yeah. reach so many more people now.
1: Yeah. Um, which is is great. Yeah. It's really, This it is really good, and I think it is feeling a bit more comfortable with the whole IT as well. Yeah yeah um okay.
0: so yeah. No, no one knew zoom before <laughs> no, whatever your teams or whatever yeah. yeah actually we
1: use um we use a special um health link for our oh, consultation okay. it's incredible it's very secure and yeah. confidential yeah. um you know you, you don't want any invaders like you can get and you have a zoom
0: <laughs> so right. okay yeah
1: but yeah so it's a secure special health um consultation link that we use
0: yeah. So I'll put all the links in um, to yourself and, you. um, and to Naomi, who's also, I, I love watching her live. She's, you know, they're really informative. I think so many people that are watching these lives at the moment are just, um, the, as you say, the knowledge that you're accessing <laughs> just by, um, you know, and all the questions that come in that, you know, oh, that's me. Well, I, I suffer from that or I've got that. And didn't even relate to it related to the menopause at all. So mm. yeah it's really good it's um really getting out there to a lot of people not all though i have noticed still it's getting there slowly slowly Actually, not doing any social media at all and obviously if you are on instagram with the oh, the um algorithms and what have you it's pushing if you're following people it's pushing people so for me i just think wow there's loads of information out there but yeah. For people that either aren't on Instagram or are, and they're not following those sort of those that demographic or all that um, that algorithm,
1: yeah, um, they're in the dark. They're yeah. still in the dark. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's dreadful, really. And we are high yeah.
0: population, so and we are all yeah. going to go through it. So. Yeah. It's really yeah, important to, to yeah it's
1: so important, it's, you, when you think of it, and you put it that way, you think it's so crazy that it's taken till now for it to be really raise a domain. And into, for the things
0: like testosterone not being available and things like that, it's kind of like it's a very antiquated system that we live in. but we'll um, get there slowly. Right, I shall leave you to your day now. Thank you so I hope much. That's helpful. I hope that it's so helpful and so interesting really, and I think really great.
1: Great. It's great. great. It's fantastic what you're doing, you know. I think I always applaud anybody who's trying to get the message out there think yeah, Once you know, you sort of there's like there's two camps, like once you know, you know <laughs> Thanks so much for making time. Um yeah. Mm-hmm. Have a lovely weekend. Love your dress. is it a dress? Oh it is a dress, yeah, thank,
0: thank you. you. Yeah, with you um, for uh, matching a pattern pattern or pattern. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so there. much. All thank you. There. Take bye. care, bye.